everybody. I want to welcome to you to this segment of the show where I have a guest that is so important to me because he has inspired me in many ways. And I know millions of others around the world and here in America. His name is Andrew Brunson, and he uh, was in Turkey uh, during a period where uh, there was a purge and a coup, according to the Turkish government. And uh, he ended up being held captive. And we want to go a little bit into that story because it's such a tremendous story. But welcome to the show, Andrew Brunson. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Todd. Good to be with you. It's great to see you. You know, it's so interesting. We were in the return down in D.C. and I just happened to be walking down the street and I ran into yes. Pastor Andrew. And so I knew it was a divine appointment. I said, would you come on the radio show? And, and so here we are now. So thank you so much for coming on. And uh, first, just give us an update. How are you and your family doing? We're doing very well. It's uh, wonderful to be free and uh, with, with my family. And well, I'm with my wife. My children are grown, but I can call them anytime I want to. And that's really good. Yes. And freedom is such an important thing that I think many of us in America, unfortunately, take for granted. And now we're seeing a lot of changes happening in our society. You were in Turkey, uh, you know, doing mission work out there. And I think you had a, a church out there. Do you have a church out there? Yeah, we, we were involved in a number, well, several different church plants, six, six over the time we were there. Yes, sir. And so, you know, how was it living in that type of regime compared to the United States? Because I know a lot of citizens out here don't really understand the difference. What was it like being out in Turkey and, and having a ministry out there? Well, it's the largest unreached country in the world. Uh, everyone there is a Muslim, pretty much. And so uh, it's, a, it's a very different environment to become a Christian there. Uh, is very costly for a Turk to embrace Jesus and follow him. It probably means that their family will disown them. They often lose their jobs. Uh, so there, it, it is difficult. And uh, we became used to that living, I, I would say, as a minority in a sense, uh, in just a sea of Islam. Now, one of the concerns that I have is we've come back to the States, and we're yeah. still focused on the Muslim world primarily. We're missionaries, and that's our call. But I have a sense of urgency uh, since returning to the States two years ago, just that, uh, that pressures are going to rise and there's going to be increasing hostility uh, toward people who follow Jesus, yes. uh, especially those who do so openly and who also are faithful to the teaching of the Bible. And so I think that there's going to be increasing hostility and that we're not ready for it mm. as a church in the United States. And this is something that is a, is a burden on my heart. It's a, I have a sense of urgency about this to help prepare people to stand in difficult times. Because if we're not ready, then when pressures come, uh, there are a number of risks that come along with it. Uh, we, we become fearful. And I certainly know a lot about fear. I was very afraid in prison. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, and when we're afraid, we tend to run uh, to try to escape the threat. If we're not ready for it, what I say is we prepare not so that we will not fear, but so that when we are afraid, we will not run but stand firm. That's right. Uh, Andrew, you know, it's so important what you just spoke about because I am um, a director of a nonprofit called the Religious Liberty Coalition. And one of the things that we do and focus on is churches that are under attack here in the United States. 
and we've seen a tremendous uptick. I mean, just in the last few months with COVID and different different things, churches are being fined. Uh, pastors, you know, one of my friends got thrown in jail overnight. Um, you know, the, the, it's just unbelievable. We're seeing California is imposing draconian, tyrannical restrictions on pastors. They're, you know, they're closing. Congregations are closing because they can't stay open. Uh, you know, I'm talking about some of the smaller churches, the remnant churches. Um, you know, as you come back here and this burdens on your heart, you know, how do we address this? You said a lot of Christians are unprepared and you're right. What's the first step to, to becoming more prepared? How can we start to fight back? Well, the first thing is to be aware that persecution can happen. And because of the uh, faith of generations past in the United States, and I know our country had many problems, many sins, but there were many people who did honor God. And because of this, there was blessing on our country. And so we have not had the kind of pressures uh, that, that are common around the world and throughout history. When I was uh, first arrested, my mother was allowed to see me, uh, and I was, I was crying, and I was just really broken, and, and uh, uh, just in, I was saying, Mom, look at me, look what they've done to me. And she said to me, uh, Andrew, there's a long line of people who have suffered for Jesus. Wow. It's a very long line, and it extends back 2,000 years, and it's now your turn to stand in that line. Mm. And this gave me a sense of perspective. So the Bible does say that uh, anyone who uh, lives a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And Jesus said, you know, the world hated me, they will also hate you. Uh, And he was the most loving, compassionate man ever. And people said he was evil. And they will say the same thing about us. They won't just disagree with us. They'll actually say that we are evil that our intentions are evil. And uh, I think we're going to see a rise in this. It's something that many other countries, uh, what believers have dealt with in other countries, and it is going to come now to us because there has been a generational change in our country. And many people are no longer honoring God. And this is just a natural consequence of that. And That's how right. do we prepare? The first thing is we have to be aware that it can come. And I would say the second thing, uh, in 2007, I began to pray a prayer that eventually took me to prison, I believe. It was what I call the wave starter prayer. Uh, And I prayed, Father God, draw me so close to your heart that you will be able to trust me with the authority to start waves. So I wanted to see waves start, spiritual waves start in a very dark place. The way to do that is to have spiritual authority. The way to gain that, I believe, was for God to be able to trust me with And how do I gain that is by pursuing his heart. So we began to pursue and pursue and pursue intimacy and go after God's heart. And that is what prepared me over years, I think, to uh, have the very difficult prison assignment. I believe Satan put me in prison, but God was certainly involved in it. And he knew that even though I would break and right up to the point of failure, he knew that even... As, as I said, though I would go up to the point of failure, that I would turn my eyes toward him. Yes. And so it was the years of pursuing his heart and focusing on loving him. Uh, you know, Jesus said the most important thing we can do is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So it was yes. that focus on the most important thing that then prepared me so that when I did come into difficult circumstances, I remained faithful. So what I say is that it is intimacy that will fuel perseverance because yeah. the truth is that we are willing to suffer for those we love. Yes. And someone said, God has many servants, but he has few lovers. 
Wow. And so I think the best way we can prepare is first be aware that it can happen. So it's part of our worldview. But then how do we prepare ourselves? We prepare our hearts. That's so right. That we are, uh, so that we're embracing Jesus and then are willing to pay the consequences, pay the cost for being faithful to him. It's a, you know, your story is so impactful and amazing. Uh, it says you're Hungarian. Were you born in Hungary or in North Carolina? Is that on, on uh, Wikipedia? Yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, so my, my wife's father is, is uh, Hungarian. Uh, he was uh, escaped from Hungary in 1956 when the Soviets put down a, uh, an uprising. And then he became a missionary through radio, a transworld radio, back to Hungary during the communist period. So wow. my wife is Hungarian by blood. And they gave me citizenship uh, a couple of years ago. So Got I'm it. a Hungarian by adoption. Yes. And so, you know, you go out to Turkey, you have these churches that you're planning out there. And, you know, do you feel uh, going into when they came and arrested you, were you in a good place spiritually to persevere during that time? I mean, you're like a modern day Paul. I mean, you literally were thrown in prison. So you get in there, like you said, you were crying and, you know, you couldn't talk to your family or, you know, your mom and, you know, you're in there. And then how long were you in there for? We're in for a couple of years. And the, the great difficulty, obviously, two years is, is, is enough, but... It was, I didn't know that I would get out until the very day I got out. So the Turkish government wanted three life sentences for me. So yeah. I, it's living with the uncertainty uh, that is especially difficult. Yes. And, and, and in that time when you're in there, I mean, are, how is your faith? I mean, are you, are you praying? Are you, are you disappointed with God? Do you feel like he forsaked you? I mean, where did you feel like? Yeah, actually, this was one of what took me into a relational crisis with God. I never wanted to turn my back. Uh, on, on Jesus and, and uh, disown him. But uh, I did have a relational crisis that came from my expectations not being met. So I thought that if I'm suffering for Jesus, then uh, I will feel a lot of grace, strength, and especially have his presence. I mentioned before that I'd pursued his presence and intimacy with him for years. Right. And I'd had, you know, experiences with him. And then in prison, that was completely removed. And I had no sense of his presence. And I experienced what I would call the silence of God for those two years. Mm. So that really shook me. Uh, and there were a number of other reasons why I was having a difficult time. Uh, but, but that was one of the most difficult is thinking, feeling abandoned. Now, objectively, God didn't abandon me, but I felt that way. And after getting out, I've talked with people who work with persecuted church. And they have told me that my experience is more common. Uh, wow for many people who, who experience imprisonment for their faith is that they do have a difficult time. And I'll just go back to something my mother told me early on is, you know, as I said, I was crying, I was really broken. And she said, Andrew, this is suffering. Suffering yeah. is hard. And uh, if, if it weren't, then we wouldn't call it suffering. Yeah. And so uh, I, I was broken. What I usually say is that my first year was a, a year of breaking and my second year was a year of rebuilding. So mm. I was a story of, of my weakness, but God did rebuild me. Yeah. And so I don't want it to be a negative message. It was hard. It took me right up to the point of failure. I was suicidal, but wow. God did rebuild me and I came out stronger than I went in. And yeah. let me just say one of the ways that that, 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 that happened is I made a decision with my will, not my emotions, because my emotions were in turmoil, but to say, I'm going to fight for my relationship with God. And wow. I determined that I would follow him and be faithful to him no matter 
what he did or did not do for me. And I focused on building that relationship with him. Mm. And uh, as I, it, what I'd the point I'd like to make is that there's a one, a one degree difference that makes all the difference in the world. I can choose with my will, even in my darkest times, to turn one degree toward him or one degree away. Wow. And even turning that one degree, that choice in my heart that I say, God, I choose to turn to you. I choose to be faithful to you. It opens up the door for him to give grace to me, and then I can cooperate with that grace. So yeah. for your listeners, it doesn't matter how difficult the situation you're in at your worst time, you still have a choice. And you make a choice to turn toward or away from God. And that will make all the difference. That is huge. And, and then, you know, of course, the, the end of the story, you know, Vice President Pence gets involved, President Trump gets involved. You know, next thing you know, they're, they're crashing the Turkish economy uh, through sanctions. And uh, before you know it, uh, you know, all of a sudden there's, a, you know, and I think, um, you know, Aragon was trying to do some type of swap. I don't think that ended up happening, uh, but you got released you know, did you know all this was going on while you were in prison? Did, were you aware of this? Well, I knew that there was pressure. And that was one of the very uh, scary things is there was pressure and increasing pressure. And that wasn't changing my situation. <laughs> and so uh, I think uh, God used the prayers of so many. There were millions of people who ended up praying for me. And I'm so grateful for that. In fact, God was using my imprisonment to start a worldwide prayer movement to Yes. Use me as a magnet to draw prayer into that region of the world, which I think is going to bring a harvest. Yes, sir. Uh, so I did know that, that there were attempts to get me out, but they had not been successful. And uh, but eventually God used all the prayers of God's people that put me on the heart of the president who engaged in a in an unprecedented way uh, yeah. for for me. And eventually they did leave, let me out. Yes. After two yeah. years. I was convicted as a terrorist <laughs> and then okay. they let me go. Oh. Wow. What a, what an amazing story. And I could just go into it forever, but I want to get to where you are now. Uh, I know you're starting a new ministry. There's different things that you're up to. Can you explain to the audience what you're doing now? Yeah. So wave starters goes back to that prayer that I prayed that, uh, you know, just pursuing God's heart that, and then God did start a wave while I was in prison. It ended up with that. We want to see waves of the kingdom start in the Muslim world. So, uh, our ministry focuses on the Muslim world. Also, as I said, one of the burdens of my heart right now is the States, and I feel an assignment here. Most of our assignments are overseas with Muslims, but here in the States to help prepare the bride to stand in difficult times. So yes. we're, we're launching this ministry. It's called Wavestarters. It's at wavestarters.org if people want more information. We need people yes. to pray for us and also to partner with us. Absolutely. Uh, couldn't be a more, uh, you know, important mission than what Pastor Andrew Brunson is doing, uh, you know, supporting uh, those that are in the persecuted church, you know, standing in the Muslim world and here at home, awakening the American church to the very real at our doorstep now persecution. I mean, I can't even tell you, I have people threatening me. It's unbelievable. I'm a pastor. All I'm doing is talking about the Bible and, you know, issues in the Christian community. And I get threats. It's it's this is America today, and uh, you know we have to understand where we're at. And so that burden is very much real. And I believe you know something that God has put on your heart, uh, Andrew. And uh, we we got to get the word out. The church needs to come together. We need to rise up. Uh, you know, before I let you go, we're in a very precipice moment right now in our country. Uh, you know, the elections are being contested. Uh, there's two very different realities. Do you have any thoughts on what's going on currently in our nation? 
So I believe pressures are going to rise across the board, even when this COVID crisis passes, uh, that in, there will still be a lot of pressures. One of those will be uh, hostility toward Christians. And this is something that uh, Daniel 11.32 is a verse that's very much on my heart right now. And Daniel is writing about the most difficult times and the believers who live in those most difficult times, which I think is us. <laughs> yeah, uh, It does apply to us. And he says, the, those who know their God shall stand and take action. And so uh, those who know their God, so that's the difficulties that are coming, the pressures that are coming. If we know our God, focus mm -hmm. on knowing him, then we will stand. Mm -hmm. But then the next part of it is we're not meant to just uh, survive, but also to thrive. Yes. And it's we'll stand and take action. And God has assignments for us. Sometimes I think of the pressures coming and I say, oh, we would just like to live a quiet and peaceful life. And uh, we won't be able to, we can't escape the pressures. So then we focus and say, in a sober way, say, okay, God, I want to prepare myself so that I can stand and be faithful to you. But it's more than that. It's also, he has assignments for us in, in the darkest times to be children of light. Yes. And so we want to stand faithfully so we can complete our assignments. That's right. Those are amazing words, uh, Andrew. Thank you so much. I just appreciate your faithfulness. We honor you. Thank you for standing firm on the word of God when you could have turned your back on God, but instead you chose to find that just that 1%, like you said, that turn and you made the right choice and look what God's done. And we just thank uh, the Lord for the testimony that he's given you. We pray uh, just continued success and, and that the Lord would expand your territory. And uh, we hope to have you again soon, sir. Thank you, Todd. Blessings to you. Thank you. And we'll be right back with more of the Run Rangers. Hello, my name is Pastor Todd Coconato, and I also uh, run an organization called Remnant News. And it is a ministry. What we're doing is we're putting information out there that you can't find on the mainstream media. We're like a David versus Goliath. We're putting this information out for those with ears to hear and eyes to see. We call you the remnant, people that are willing to, to stand for the full Bible in this hour. But we need your help, ladies and gentlemen. We can't do this without you. Um, like I said, we're David versus Goliath. And uh, these big media corporations, they have so much money, so much resources, guys like George Soros and others that pour in money. And we don't have that. Uh, we're just a grassroots ministry that's uh, doing our best to uh, accommodate the needs of the body of Christ in this hour. But if you're able, please sign up on our website, toddcoconato.com, toddcoconato.com slash give. And you know, if you can give a monthly amount, that would be huge. $5, $10, $20, $100. You know, obviously, if you're able to give a higher amount, that helps us a lot. But we understand that it's a tough time right now. We, we just need your help. So. If more of you step up and are able to give, we can continue to do this and grow in the midst of this very trying time so that we can get uh, the truth out there to the remnant body of Christ in this hour. And listen, guys, I'm just trying to follow my calling. It's scary at times. I'm going to be honest with you. We look at the bills. We don't know how we're going to do it. Uh, only by God's grace and only with amazing people like you can we do this. So thank you. Uh, you know, do what you can to help if you're able. That would be a huge blessing. And we're going to continue to do what we do in fighting in this major battle that we're in right now as a nation of world. Thank you and God bless you.